January 4th, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin and Pechet Amud Bet. Uh, we just finished the Mishnah at the bottom of the page, and we're into the Gemara. If you recall, the Mishnah mentioned how there's this humrah, there's this uh, strictness, this severity, by Divre Sofrim more than there is by Divre Torah. Divre Sofrim, generally speaking, is translated as rabbinic law. Over here, specifically, uh, it has to be, and it is translated as the rabbinic tradition to a biblical law, which means to say we're referring over here to what's called Perush Mikubami Moshe Rabbeinu in the words of Harambam. It's definitional. What are the hachamim have as a tradition with regards to how to define a mitzvah in the Torah? In our specific context, the mitzvah of tefillin. How do we define what does it mean when the Torah says there should be an ot, there should be a totafot, What's that referring to? That's what we're turning to, what's called Divrei Sofrim. We have a Perush Mikubami Moshe Rabbeinu, tradition all the way from Moshe down to today, certainly through the time of the Mishnah and Gemara, that it's the definition of what we today wear as Tefillin. That, says the Mishnah, has ironically a severity. It's more strict than just the mitzvah of tefillin, so to speak, from the Torah. Not the definitional side, but the mitzvah in and of itself. How is one more strict than the other? First and foremost, maybe they're equal. At the very least, the mitzvah, which is explicit in the Torah, is going to be less severe. So the Mishnah explains. Mishnah says when it comes to a zaken mamre, a person who is uh, alleging against uh, Betin Hagadol, they're wrong and I'm right. If he claims there are no tefillin, this whole tefillin concept, nonsense disregard it. Maybe he says something like, it shouldn't even be in the Pazuk in the Torah, and he's claiming that it's right. But whatever he's saying, that's not a Zaken Mamre. As Rashi explains, quoting from the Gemara and Horayot, that expression, he says it's Zil Kare Be'rav. It's a circumstance where everybody should and would know. I learned about this in elementary school. I learned about this when I was a little boy. There's something called Tefillin. Everybody knows that. That's not a Zaken Mamre. That's not a person who, about whom the Torah says this is a danger or a threat to your religious society. It's specifically and only when he's pinpointing the details which are not explicit in the Torah. Oh, you need some tradition on that. You need classes and higher level learning in order to know that. If that's what he's disputing, he's saying, for example, the Gemara will tell us, uh, there's five parashot in the Tefillin, not just four, as we discussed, yes. Oh, that is a Zaken Mamre. That's the statement here in the Mishnah. There is a severity, a strictness with regards to those divre sofrim. We're calling it the traditions from the rabbis. Mi bidivre Torah. Then the explicit mentions in the Torah. How so? How Omer in tefillin? If a person says no such thing as tefillin, al divre Torah, and effectively he'll be having people go against explicit words of Torah. Patur. Shouldn't be doing it. He's obviously wrong, but he's not Zaken Mamre. He's not killed with Chenek. If alternatively, he says, Hamesh Totafot. He says, there are five places and five parchments and five parashot to be put in Tefillin Shel Rosh. One parchment with five segments in Tefillin Shel Yad. Lehosif al Divre Sofrim. And he's effectively adding on to the tradition we have which of course is wrong, Hayav, that's a person who's Hayav Mita as a Zaken Mamre. Parenthetically, you see, we're using the word Totafot as one of those parchments or as one of those parashot. There is a debate, even Rashi in his commentary to the Torah, how to define Totafot. Over here, we seem to be going with uh, the opinions we had in the Gemara and Afdalid, or we had Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Akiva, that it's assuming those are references 
to the parashot, and it's numbered in that respect, as we mentioned yesterday. Rashi, just uh, interestingly, in his commentary to the Torah, if I remember correctly, he quotes from uh, Menachem ben Sarok. He quotes from Menachem, who translates this word, basing it on two pesukim elsewhere in Navi, that that shoresh, maybe tetetfe, I assume it is, um, is a reference not to parashot per se, but it has something to do with hearing which is always was very interesting to me because I mean Sisit the Torah tells us is Uri Temoto, it's a mitzvah which is sup- supposed to provoke our sight, see it and be inspired, see it and remember. A tefillin in some way or fashion you're supposed to almost hear those words. You know, the tradition that we have with regards to tefillin that we read every morning, Kadesh Liv, Ayaki V'yachan, of course, the Kiryat Shema, all those four portions, uh, Kiryat Shema has to be, according to Halakha, you have to be Mashmi'ah, no, you need to hear it. That's, to a certain extent, the fulfillment, according to Menachem, of what tefillin are about. It's about hearing and becoming inspired. Almost as if we're attaching ourselves to God through each of our senses on a daily basis. Okay, but that being the case, the Gemara then will comment on this Mishnah, fine-tune it a bit more, discuss it a little bit further. Amar bi azar amar bi osha'aya, eno hayav ila addavar she'ikaro midivre Torah, uperusho midivre sofrim, uh, those words already are words we saw in Daf Pezayim, just one Daf ago, from Rabbi Huda. His statement was, Azaken Mamre is specifically, and only in a circumstance where it's Ikaro, the matter that this man is disagreeing with, is disputing Beit it's primarily in the Torah, it's commentary, is midivre sofrim, is some sort of tradition. And then he continues this, he says, V'yeshbo, says Rabbi Osha'aya, lehosif, the last qualification, so to speak, with regards to Azaken Mamre, is the type of law he's disputing. Is it it's mentioned in the Torah? All its details are not filled in the Torah. And the claim that this man is making has something to do with an ability to add on to the mitzvah. He's not uprooting per se in the traditional sense, don't do it. He's adding on to it. And by so doing, Vimhosif Gorea, by adding on to it, he's subtracting. Of course, it's a lesson in and of itself. People believe more is better. Maybe more could be worse. It's an isur from the Torah. Lo tosifu. Bel tosif. We have an isur from the Torah of adding on in particular circumstance to mitzvot. All right, so that's, that's what it is. It has to be a situation where ikaro midivrei Torah, perusho midivrei sofrim, and lastly and most importantly for our purposes right now, vimosif, if a person were to add on to this mitzvah, as the zaken mamre is attempting to do, he's gorea, he'll be messed it up. Rashi says on our Gemara, what does it mean vim hosif gorea? It means whatever we're talking about, we already have in mind the Mishnah, right? The Mishnah told us tefillin. Four segments in the, in, the, in the tefillin. What if you added a fifth one? The words are im hosif gorea. What does that mean? Rashi says that if you were to put five parchments in, if you put five segments in your tefillin, yad, you were posel your tefillin. They're invalidated. It's not just that you violated the sisur of the Torah, bal tosif, of adding on to the Torah. You've violated because you didn't fulfill the mitzvah. You were posel your tefillin. Happens to be anyone who learned the third chapter in Masechet Sukkah might know that there's a, there's a debate about this. When you're over, if a person were to violate bal tosif, Talked about this a little bit at the end of Masechet Rosh Hashanah as well. 
There's a machloket harishonim amongst the medieval commentators to Gemara and Poskim, whether you in turn made a pesul. Uh, so for example, for ra'avad, for tosafot and daflamidal, for masechet sukkah, even though you're doing the wrong thing, even though you're violating a prohibition from the Torah, it doesn't mean you're not fulfilling this mitzvah now. Okay, but Rashi's reading is a very clear reading of our Gemara. The words in the Gemara is imhosif gorea. It sounds like you're subtracting, you're taking away from the viability of this being a kosher mitzvah. It's an interesting point. Tosafot is writing it in the context of Lulav, Ra'avad, it writes it in Hilchot Sisit. We assume for one reason or another that, uh, that each one of these stand in different camps, the Tosafot. Uh, it's, it's a longer, important conversation. But anyway, um, the question would be, of course, you'd have to bring a Sivara, why, where, and how, but uh, you, you are correct. It could be going in such a direction. Unfortunately, I don't remember all the details. Um, but uh, uh, that's the same material in the Gemara. Uh, says the Gemara, or says Rabbi Lazar in the name of Rabbi Oshaya himself, The truth is, according to this interpretation, the only situation wherein, when the Torah says that Zaken Mamnen, he gets put to death with Hainik for dis- disagreeing with Bin Din HaGadol, it's this whole elaborate description. The only one we could come up with is Tefillin. That's oh, a fundamental one, especially in a time when we were wearing it all the time. But even today... Tefillin has a certain important part in our culture as Jews, in our religious sensibilities. Tefillin is significant. But that is, according to this interpretation, says the Gemara, the only situation where we consider this person a Zaken Mamre. This is, this is fascinating. This is earth-shattering. Tosafot, in the top right-hand corner, the second one, they point out, what well, one second, we have that long list. We started this whole Zakin Mamre discussion with a long list, the Pesukim, Leket Shechan Peah, Hekdesh, all of those. What are you going to do with all those? I was disagreeing with all those. The Gemara only said Rabbi Meir's opinion, if you remember, Zedono, Karet, Shigato, Hatat. He needed to accord, according to Rav Papa and Abaye, with that. I was disagreeing with all that. According to this opinion, you'll only have Zaken Mamre if he disputes one mitzvah. What's that? Tefillin. Anything else? Bad guy. Beat him up a little bit. Put him in jail. Whatever, but you're not killing him. It's another one of these situations where the Hachamim, in one way or another, found or had tradition to minimize circumstances. If Mars Benin were here, he'd be very excited about this one. To minimize um, what could have been seen as an excessive killing in Beit Din. You, you now have a segment in the Torah which has been leveled to one. And it's through their interpretation. I think they're very unbiased in their interpretation. But that's what they've done. The same way that uh, uh, Rabbi Hirsch, as I, if you, uh, you might recall, I told you, he has it in the context of Ben Sorero More, the Hachamim, very carefully, fine combed the whole segment to say it needs to be, we learned this together, the same height of the parents, same pitch and tone of voice. I mean, how many Ben Sorero Mores could you find once you have such a description that he had this amount of meat and that amount of wine? Again, it's not as if they're pulling this out of thin air. But details often, you're right, Eli, but details often lay lay hand to the most significant things that we have. In other words, you're right, it is fine-tuned and it is nuanced, so you're, you're giving me that, but, but, and details oftentimes are what connect. I mean, it, look no further than, 
I don't know, people who get very excited about this, a Friday night in Knees, do you turn around or not during Boi Bishelo? I have, you know, the amount of conversations, I, should there be an announcement that we shouldn't, or maybe we should, uh, you know, that, that detail, and we're not talking about halakha at all over there, but that, that for, and I understand why, I happen to not be swayed by the excitement about such an issue, but I understand why people envision, for good reason, the details and the ways we do things, as, uh, even though it's nuanced, even though it's small, as being a, a very much a part of our identity. Yes, so, just. So this whole conversation of Tefillin is only, he went against, and he said that only needs five. five. What about, he went to this Beit and went to that Beit and then that Beit He has to go through the Beit Dinim? Yeah. To has to go through the process we saw earlier. So he goes to Beit Din says five. They say, uh, we don't think so. Or, uh, and for some reason, he leads his way to another. Again, they should knock him down right down. Oh, we don't think so. He goes, and they say, no, you're absolutely wrong. And what they told you was absolutely correct. And he's still going out and either put it on himself, you know, he opened the tefillin shop. So and he's, time from one, from the first day to the last, he's just patur, he's off the hook? From he's the not Zakin Mamre, yeah. If he went, uh, won't get into this, give me one second. Uh, what if he does three, if he's migarea instead of being mosif? Why is the description specifically v'yesh lehosif? I can't imagine it should be specifically different. Why is it articulated? Because lotosif and lotigra are mentioned, right? One right next to the other. Um, I can't imagine it's actually going to be different in, in that respect. Rabbeinu Tam won't play into this. Rabbeinu Tam and Rashi's interpretations are not about how many. It's about the order. We, don't, we clearly don't have a lot. I mean, if we had Perush Mikubal Moshe Rabbeinu, we'd very, uh, very hesitantly have to say to either Rashi or Rabbeinu Tam, that they're in trouble, that they're going against our tradition. We don't have tradition. We have tradition on what's in, and then we, according to Chamvadeh Yosef's reading of the whole tradition, we have two traditions, you know, and the Kubalim certainly would say that as well. Uh, but no, that's, that's, that's not going against that, and it's certainly not being Mosif or Goryam, right? Anyway, says the Gemara, okay, let, let's deal with this a little bit further. Aliba, uh, this whole matter is Aliba der Bihuda. It all follows the opinion of Rabbi Huda. Rashi has two interpretations. His first interpretation, as, uh, as he says, very the clear one, because he asked several questions on the other one, he says, which would be Udan? The Gemara is just very uh, very mysterious over here. So, so oh, this is all going according to the Udan. He says, quite simply, it's going according to the Udan that we had again on Daf Pezayin. On Daf Pezayin, we presented at the onset of this conversation three opinions in the Tanaim. When do you have Zakin Mamre, the Udan's opinion, found fundamentally for us right now was he's specifically on davar shezidono karet excuse me specifically on a matter that ikaro midivre torah uperusho midivre sofrim that's what you're seeing reflected over here as well we had Rabbi Meir over there as zedono karet she got to hatat and you had the last opinion was it Rabbi Nehemiah I've got the last opinion he said even if it's a diktuke had on divre sofrim but it means we're following that Rabbi Huda. now says the Kimara but wait a second I have a question my question is, is that the only situation you can find that we have tradition for the number count over here? And if you added on to that number count or something along those lines, you'd be Gorea, you'd have a problem. That's the only one. You only have tefillin. What about lulav? Certainly the Torah says, and so forth. The Torah is explicit 
There's something that you need to lift up on the holiday of Sukkot. And then you need perush mikubal. You need a tradition to define certain parts of it. Like what? Like piri etzadar. How do you know what piri etzadar is? It sounds to me like an exotic, beautiful fruit. How do I know it's etrog? Perush mikubal Moshe Rabbeinu. hosif, and there is potential to add on. There's only four species as opposed to five. Vim hosif, and if we were to add on those interesting words again, gorea, you'd be messing things up. Says the Gemara, here's why it's, it's, it's not correct to suggest that the Zaken Mamre might be disputing to, uh, Lulav as well, even with your coordinates and your structure. Belulav mai seviralan. You see, when it comes to Lulav, the Gemara in Sukkan Daf Yodalif has a conversation, has a dispute between Biudan Hachamim about the following. The question is, does Lulav sarich eged or not? Is there a halakha from the Torah? It's a mahlokin in Dirashot, how to read the Pesukim. Does a halakha from the Torah necessitate that you bind your three species next to your lulav together. Does your lulav, hadasim, and aravot, do they need to be bound together? Can you just be holding them? Or from the Torah, do you need eget? Uh, what, what does that have to do with us? Well, it goes like this. If lulav sarich eget, if the halakha according to the Torah is that you must have a binding on your lulav and etrog, it means that once I bound them up, okay, let's go before you bind, I'm going to go the opposite way. First, let's go, you don't need binding, lulav and sarich eget. So I walk into the knis on, on Sukkot day and I didn't need to bind it up. I grabbed my three species and I grabbed my fourth, the etrog, and then I threw another one into my hand. I don't know, I, I was walking, I saw a beautiful rose and I put the rose in my hand as well, rose stem. That's fantastic, it looks gorgeous, doesn't it? Am I in that situation violating baltosif? Have I added on to the mitzvah? Why have I added on to the mitzvah? I don't know, look how many species yet. But there was never from the Torah a halachic bringing them to, because I'm holding them in my hand, that makes it uh, five species? No, it's the only if they're bound in. It's only if they became part of a segment in some way. That would mean that you completely bound them together. Okay, so if we say lulav en sarich eged, it means halachically speaking, you're never looking at it as a segment which in turn would say adding into it is a mosif, is extra. What about if you say lulav sarich eged? What about alternatively you say that a lulav does need to be bound? Well, now I found the situation. It's exactly your coordinates, Rabbi Oshaya. You told us that the situation needs to be according to be a zakir, in order to be a zaken mamre. Tavar she'ikaro midivrei Torah, perusho midivrei sofrim, and yeshbo lehosif. How so? I walked in and it's bound up. And now I added another one in. There it is. And you're walking around telling people that's what you need to do. The Gemara is going to question, the Gemara is going to say it's not a great case. Because ultimately speaking, you didn't have a kosher arba'ata minim, which then you added into. At the very onset of this being a segment, of this being some sort of package, it was already pasul. The second it was bound together, you had five species. In other words, the statement over here, the understanding of Zakin Mamre is, I had something kosher, I had four parchments, and then I added in a fifth one. Over here, we're not going to be able to find that with regards to Lulav. Let the Gemara speak. That if we had five in the beginning, he's not Zakin Mamre? That's of, right. Of, of the, of, of That's the, right. Of because it's Yeshbo Kideh Lehosif Vim Hosif Gorea. Gorea means you took away from something being kosher initially. So if you had the unkosher Tefillin from the start, it's not Hosif. 
That's correct, but not really, because ultimately speaking, it's about what he's instructing people to do. And he's instructing people, so to speak, take your four parchment one, add another one in. Right, so that's, he so, instructed everyone to grab a rose. But the understanding it is... It doesn't have to be tied. The, well, if it doesn't need to be tied, there's no question no, at all no, that it's not no, a problem. It doesn't need to be tied. So then what's the says, issue? And he says, get a rose. So then you're probably dis- uh, add a rose. Add a rose. But if it doesn't need to be tied, the words of the Gemara are hai And then I could hold if I don't need lulav sarich again. It does. Who said you can't add on more? If you don't need to be bind, no, but it's not. If it's not about binding. So then the Torah says, take these, take these and add whatever you like. The binding is what made it into a package. Now I say, this and only this. Now you told me that, um, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to find a good analog, but I mean, that, that's the idea, that's the idea in this respect. Says the Gemara over here, says the Gemara, Veha ika lulav, don't you have lulav? De'ikaro midivre Torah, perusho midivre sofrim be'esh below hosif. Vim hosif gorea. Says the Gemara, belulav mai seviralan. What's the halakha according to this approach here in the Gemara? Iseviralan de lulav en sarich eget. If the opinion is that lulav doesn't need to be bound according to the halakha, then by adding the rose to it, and then I'll say, yeah, I'm holding four species and a fifth. It's not five species per se, because the fact that it's not necessitated from the Torah to bind it means this is never a segment. The Torah says hold four. It could be among uh, 700 more. It doesn't matter. If alternatively the halacha is that happens to be learned from the Pesukim, ironically, of Yisiyat Misraim. Ukahtem agudat ezov, utfaltem, you know, and we have ukahtem lachem bayom arishon. Anyway, you have eged, so then garua ve'omedhu. In such a circumstance, the second it was bound up, it's already invalidated. It's not that the zaken mamre could be telling others, add to your package. The second you now have a package of five bound together, well, it was already pasul. It wasn't a kosher which by adding was knocked out. Tosafot questions, why not? Maybe the case is you bound up three and then the zaken mamre is walking around telling people and add a fourth one in. There you have it. It means you had a package and why is that any different than tefillin? Tosafot points out that the way it works on lulav is the second you lift lulav, the Gemara and Sukkah says, the second you pick it up, you fulfilled it. I know today, for good reason, tradition, we have ni'anuim and so forth, but technically speaking, the moment you pick up your lulav and etrog, you fulfill it. So the Torah says, Torah says, ukahtem, pick up. But mide'ad behir, says Rabbi Yohanan Masech, it says sukkah, and nafak behir, you fulfilled the mitzvah. It's for that reason, by the way, that we have in mind that when we're picking it up before saying the beracha, we're not fulfilling it. Some people put the etrog upside down because you fulfilled the mitzvah just by picking it up. As a result, says Tosafot, how do you deal with this? You had the package, you didn't pick it up, and you stuck it in while it's on the table. It's not our imagination. Our imagination, you picked it up, uh, fulfilled the mitzvah. Now you add it in. Okay, you weren't Korea because it was already a fulfillment of the mitzvah. The idea that in our Gemara is specifically, it's a, it's a very narrow circumstance. It needs to be that the kosher mitzvah was in place. By adding on to it, you mess it up, you won't have that by, by lulav. The ha'ikasisit, don't you have that by sisit? The way it works is on our 
Basisit, any four-cornered garment, you have four strands in each corner. I know it looks like eight. It only looks like eight because we knotted it together and then came out, you know, then we doubled it over and turned into eight, but it was really four strands. What if you added more than four strands? One opinion, Masech Menachot, if you added more than eight, but we're Posek, four. So if you had four strands and you added a fifth strand, the Torah never says how many strands. It's a derasha. It's ikaro. So it's the Gemara. De ikaro mi devre Torah. Perushom mi devre sofrim. We have tradition on the four. It's explicit in the Torah. You need hakanah petit techelet. You have sisit. Uh, that's at the end of parashat shilach. V'yesh bo lehosif. And there's additional. V'im hosif. And if you add it on, Gorea, says the Gemara, I'll ask the same type of question as I asked you by Lulav, by Sisi. What's the packaging over here? Is there anything that packages it together to define Sitzit as a situation where if you were to add on more, it's adding to the segment, to the package? Well, how could you imagine that? By Tefillin, you have it encased in something. By Lulav, maybe you have it bound. By Sitzit, what would you have? The knot. So says the Gemara, there's a mahloket. There's a mahloket about whether kesher ilyon de oraita or not. Kesher ilyon, mahloket, dispute about how to understand that. When we learn menachot, maybe we'll discuss it, uh, you know, at greater length. But kesher ilyon is either the knot at the top or the knot at the bottom. There's a question about whether any knot or a specific knot needs to be present on your CC. Now, if we say there doesn't need to be any knot, so it's no different than picking up the five species without it being bound together. The Torah, in our minds, based on tradition, four strands, there's four strands plus one. There's not five strands, four plus one. There's nothing knotting and binding it together. If alternatively you tell me that it needs to be bound together through that knot, well, it means the second I knotted it, how many strands were in there? There were five already. So it's not a situation where I started with kosher seat four and then I just injected. No, you can't. You're not going to find such a situation. It needs to be says to be Oshaya with regards to Zaken Mamre. If you add it on to an already kosher mitzvah, Gorea says the Gemara over here, my sevira lam, besisit my sevira lam, two lines from the bottom, is vira lam de kesher ha'elyon lav de oraita. If the assumption is that that top or bottom kesher, not in the tefillin, is not from the Torah, so then then we can envision, conceptualize what's taking place where there's four strands plus a fifth strand. They're not a package. It's not baltosif. And if it's kesher ilyon is from the Torah, it means the second the knot was placed, it's already messed up. It's not mosif gorea. Says the Gemara, okay, it's all, I got it all, but now I have a question. I'll never find zakim. You'll never find zakim. Why not? Because even by tifilin, how are you going to come up such a situation again. You told me you couldn't do it by lulav. Why not? If it doesn't need eged, highly chodeka, highly chodeka, standing on its own. If it needs eged, it's already there. It's already bound and it's messed up from the from the onset. You already had an invalidate. You did the same thing by sisit. Why don't I do the same thing by tefillin as well? Says the Gemara. Based on all your arguments until now, tefillin name. I should make the same claim when it comes to tefillin. Uh, if the situation is, I have four, let's do the tefillin, it's the way the Gemara is doing it, four separate uh, openings. And anyone who's ever seen pictures or been present and see, the actual four openings. You know, where we have those ridges, there are actually four <laughs> openings over there. All right, and then what did I do? I brought a, 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 a fifth one and I pasted it on. Uh, what did you do? You had kosher, four, 
and then you added another one, well, why don't I say, oh, let me look at your tefillin. Oh, you have four plus one. Well, we don't have four plus one. I have five. No, you had four. And I have a, it's, it's no different than when I picked up the five species. It's no different than when I put the four, five strands on. Does it matter? And then ultimately, what's that? I oh, said so the Gemara right now is asking if you did it after it was made. Uh, so what binds it together to say that it's more permanent? If it's when it was made, then you're not being Mosif. You were Mosif Me'ikara. It's the same question we had by Lulav and Sisit. It's either from the onset, in which case you're not messing up an already existing good situation. And if it's afterwards, what makes it more permanent? You're right. If we can make a claim that this is more permanent somehow after the fact, are you win- you 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 won me over, and I found one case of Zakin Mamre. If not, it's no different than your claims by Lulav and Sisit. Says the Gemara again, and you placed it next to them. And if at the beginning you made Hamisha, five uh, openings and parchments, who answers the Gemara, Ha'amar Bizera. Bait Hitson Sheinoro et Haavir Pasul. The Gemara answers based on this opinion of Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera, the opinion who we follow, La Halacha, he says that indeed, if you were to add on a Bait Hitson, a opening outside of what's supposed to be one of the two external batim, your posilata tefillin, you've messed up your tefillin. Whereas by lulav, if you add it and you don't need egged, another one, we say, whereas by, by sisit, we say, each one stands on its own. When it comes to tefillin, we have a specific and particular halakha, and maybe you're right, maybe it's because the understanding is, it is, you pasted it on, it is more permanent to Eli, but ultimately speaking, that is the halakha. So I mean, yes, I had a kosher for batim of tefillin. I put on a fifth one. I was posel the tefillin by so doing. That and only that case, ironically, according to this opinion here in the Gemara, is the situation of Zaken Mamre. All right, the next Mishnah deals with the final details with regards to Zaken Mamre. And uh, from that, we go back to the earlier halakhot we saw in the Perek, and we conclude the Perek with that. En mimitin oto, lo bebetin shebe'iro, ve lo bebetin shebe'yavne. Ela ma'alin oto, le betin ha'gadol shebe'yushalayim. So the halakha, says the Mishnah, is, uh, let's say it outside and then get into the details. The halakha is that the zaken mamre must be put to death in the, at the Beit Hagado. Uh, it needs to be at the behest and through the jurisdiction of Beit Hagado. Uh, whereas uh, most, if not every other death penalty is, is, is dealt with, not only judged, but also put to death. In the Beit Shebe'iro, if you have a Beit of 23 in your city, a significant city, that's where you're put to death. If you did one of these transgressions, that's punishable by death. Zaken Mamre is different. Zaken Mamre needed to be more public. Now we're going to be Doresh from Pesukim, but that's already the fundamental reason. The reason is, here's a person who is casting aspersions, who's questioning the whole traditional process and decision-making ways. That needs to be in Betin Haggadol. 
Uh, one second. Uh, just well, what are the specific details in our Mishnah? What's Betin Shebiyavne? Yavne was the name of a place. It was a place where the Hanan presided over. In the last, according to our tradition, we saw this on Daf Mem Aleph in Masechet Sanhedrin and elsewhere. In the last 40 years that the Beit Hamikdash stood, they moved the Betin Hagadol from the Lishkata Gazit that we've been describing into a place called Yavne. That's where again Rabbi Hanan was lived. Uh, ha- had been, and uh, that's where they, why they move it from one place uh, to the other place. Well, the Gemara tells us in other places there was a fear that there was too many murderers amongst the Am Yisrael. The only time you're going to be able to put to death a person who is liable for death penalty is if you have a Supreme Court in its place. Not that you're judging in the Supreme Court, but you need a Betin Hagadol in Lishkat Hagazit. So they had a trick. We're in trouble. We're starting to kill people left and right. It's not great people. Well, what are we going to do? So let's uh, turn away from it and try. I'm not fully clear exactly the full mindset because if they're murdering people, we don't want to put them to death, but then they're going to continue. But, okay, but we can't get involved in it for one reason or another, so they move Betina Gadot Yavne. So what about this situation? So the situation goes as follows The person is liable to be a Zakin Mamre. You can't put him to death. In Yavne, in Yavne, it means the Betin Hagadol moved to Yavne. But if it moved to Yavne, then you couldn't have Zaken Mamre. We saw in the last Mishnah, Mishnah Zaken Mamre needs to be done in Betin Hagadol. That's the last stage. You go from Betin in the city to the Betin on Petaharabai. So, uh, quote over here, how'd you come up? Well, so this, the idea is you couldn't judge him, but you can't. You couldn't judge him to be a Zaken Mamre. So says Rashi, it must have been in one of these tenuous time periods. They did the whole process. They did a Betin Shabirod, then they went to Petaharabai, and then they went to Petahazara, and then they went into Betin Hagadol, and they deal with the case and then the Betin has to dismantle itself and move to Yavne. So it means the case, according to Tosafot, there's Gmardin, they even finished the case in the, in the Betin Hagadol Shebelishkata Gazit and then they moved. And now you can't execute them. But you had to have all those initial details, otherwise this question is only theoretical. Okay. Anyway, so says the Mishnah, Rashi doesn't mention Gmardin, Tosafot points out you need to have the verdict reached there. And furthermore, you hold on to the Zakin Mamre, there in the Betin Hagadol, you incarcerate him until one of the three Regalim, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. Why? Again, we need people to see this. It's not that we're looking to uh, uh, to glorify death or whatever. This is a very s- difficult situation. It's very serious. As the pasuk implies to us in the Torah that the whole nation should see this. When is it? They're going to come closest to the whole nation being there. The regalim, when there's a mitzvah, pasuk says, the pasuk says, the entire nation shall behold and see, and then they won't do such a thing again. All right, so it means that everyone needs to be there. We wait, we hold on to this zaken mamre until the regal, until one of the three regalim. says, wait a second, I, I understand your objective. I, I, it's very valiant effort to make sure that we have uh, justice, but think about the person as well. The person then, you kept him in court, uh, kept him in, in jail, you incarcerated until the regal. I mean, it could be months. It could go from uh, Sukkot until Pesach. You could be dealing with the six plus months. Says Rabbi says, uh, We're very clear in our general justice and, and jurisdiction that we don't want to be me'ane. We don't want to torture a person with their deen and their judgment. 
You put him to death. Put him to death immediately. Had it called Yisrael Yishmael V'Yirau. How are you going to make sure, certain that everyone hears about it? Oh, you did it on the regal, I got it. How are you going to make sure to be Huda? You need to fulfill that pasuk as well. And then they would write down, so to speak, a proclamation, and they'd send messengers throughout Eretz Israel, and those messengers would go around and announce, Ish and they'd make an announcement, this person, because he says, Akin Mamre, is being judged, uh, in Betin, and everybody should be forewarned and understand not to do this. Uh, so that's the statement there, according to the Biuda. It's a fundamental mahluk. The Gemara will get into with regards to the Biuda. There are specific egregious sins that we did hachraza for all the time. They would go around, it reminds me of living in Me'ashiarim, they go around, they make public service announcements on the loudspeaker from the taxi cabs and things like that. But that's what they used to do back then. And that's the statement according to Rabbi Yudav. Everybody needed to hear, even if you're not present at the time of the execution, at the time of the judgment, you needed to know what happened in order to ward off people from doing this in the future.